And welcome to Smart Radio, episode officially, episode number one. And uh, my name is Justin. I am your host, and I'm joined here with my by my co-host Cameron. Hey there, how's it going? And we're going to talk about some wrestling. Maybe maybe a surprise. We're going to talk about some wrestling this week. But before we do that, Cameron, how was your week? My week was filled with wrestling and playoff hockey. Playoff. I watched my first hockey game this week. And how'd you like it? It was absolutely amazing. I have never, never taken the time to watch a hockey game, and I'm glad that I finally did. Uh, who, who did you watch? Uh, the Golden Knights, and they, they did mean things to the uh, San Jose Sharks. Yeah, so seven to zero, uh, that's... It's not a very good thing for the Sharks going into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think that's good for any playoff team to start a series and just get blown out like that. No, but um, they could turn it right around. I've seen worse come back. You know, and that's, that's one of the cool things about, about this sport compared to, like, football, which is my normal go-to sport. Football is one and done. Right. You know, whereas, you know, hockey, really baseball, basketball, every other sport, Every team has a chance. You can have a bad game and it's not going to ruin you. So they, yeah, they can totally come back and make something happen. Yeah. I, so. I used to be the football guy too. And I love the, the whole one and done. I didn't, you know, no second chances. But now after seeing these playoffs, like I need, I need more than one game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the perfect time to get in for like the Golden Knights because you know, I'm a Seahawks fan as far as football football goes, and since we're both, you know, in Nevada, we have a home team now. And I've never been a hockey fan, but with the Golden Knights as good as as well as they've played this year, if you miss that this window right now to get in on the Golden Knights, you're a bandwagon fan, right? And so, like right now is like my last chance to get in before I'm a bandwagon fan, and I'm gonna go all in on it. So I'm a Golden Knights fan. Let it be known before they win the Stanley Cup this year. So before it's official, before it's official, <laughs> uh, there's going to be a Seattle team coming up here too. I've, I heard about that. And, uh, you know, with me moving up in that, to that area, it's going to be interesting seeing how that works. Cause I, I'm going to come, when is, when is that team coming? Uh, they were saying the 2020, 2021 season is, is hockey going through a massive expansion right now or that's. Uh, Kind of an expansion. They're going to be shifting some teams around too. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, they're not doing too well in Arizona right now. They, if you go to one of their games, uh, it's pretty much the away team's game. There's more away fans than there is Coyotes <laughs> fans, which is really sad. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be shifted around. There's too many Florida teams. Not enough people cares about, care about Florida. What so a weird thing for like ice hockey in Florida. Right? You yeah. wouldn't think that would be a thing, but they have... But then again, you wouldn't really think of ice hockey in Las Vegas either. No. We also had the uh, Greatest Royal Rumble today. This morning, early at 9 a.m., we had the Greatest Royal Rumble. And uh, before we talk about like matches specifically, give me your thoughts on the Greatest Royal Rumble. It almost felt like the greatest house show. Right. Like, uh, like Starcade almost. Like. A televised Starcade? Exactly. Um, I don't know. The, the matches sounded cool on paper, but I don't know. It didn't deliver. 
Why, why is it the best match on every pay-per-view is always the ladder match? Because they put the youngest and the best, I mean, not the youngest, but they put the most talented people in those matches typically to, to be able to perform. You know, it takes a special level of talent to really do a ladder match. And those are the guys that we typically like the most. I'm wondering, though, as far as like, I mean, the effort in the matches just did not feel like it was there. And so I'm wondering if part of that is because maybe they knew that the Saudi Arabia fans that they're, they're wrestling for, they're performing for, weren't really wrestling fans, or maybe they didn't have the same high standards that fans in like the U.S. or the U.K. would come to expect with this product. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, they, they expected they would get a bland, uh, a bland reaction from them, and they did. They did, yeah. That crowd was, was completely awful. Maybe, did you see the layout of the, of the stadium? I didn't pay attention to that too much. So, okay, so the, 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 the stage looked awesome. Right. The pyro was fantastic. But the layout of the stage was, not the stage, but like the seating was, was weird because they had those luxury seats ringside where nobody was paying attention. And then they had a massive gap on the floor. They had no more seating on the floor. It was literally just like 10 rows of like the VIP section and then nothing else on the floor. It went to the stands. So there was like, I would say 30 to 50 feet between like the VIP seating and where the stands started, where like the non-VIP fans were. Right. And and so it looked to me like maybe there wasn't enough people there to really get the pops that we're used to with a WWE event. Or maybe they weren't concentrated enough, or maybe the people closer to the mics that catch that noise for like the television weren't there. They maybe the you know they just weren't in the areas that they're normally in, and so they just didn't catch it. But the crowd was pretty mild the entire time. Right, I feel like the uh, the home audience probably fed off of that. Yeah, I think I I never realized how much the crowd kind of plays apart and i know that people out there really hate it because it's the cool thing to do is hate the crowd of the you know hate the fans yeah i hate full sale you know and and so like that's exactly you know like but without full sale would nxt be the same product probably not so that's you know something to think about but let's go ahead and get into the actual the actual matches the first match and they started out with a an interesting choice i thought it was a, the Triple H versus John Cena match. So what do you think? Good choice of getting this slow-paced match out of the way early, or was it a weird choice having them come out with these big names right off the bat like that? I think it was a good choice. I mean, you put that later in the show, you know, say after, what if they put it after the Undertaker match? That, you know, it'd be even more dead than it already was. I don't know, that match didn't get much of a reaction. I mean, the intro, the, the entrance, that was probably like the biggest pop for that match. Yeah, you know, and that, the, the crowd wasn't bad throughout that match. They were pretty consistently loud for those guys. Speaking of the entrances, though, um, was Triple H's entrance here better than his WrestleMania, his over-the-top WrestleMania entrance? Yeah, because I feel like we haven't seen a normal <laughs> entrance from Triple H in a few years. yeah. At it least was, one without a Harley. Right, yeah. It was cool to see him kind of almost like a throwback, just see him walk down to the ring, ready for a match. You know, it wasn't over the top or anything like that. Right. I was really happy with that one, but that match really was kind of forgettable. So 
you know, Cena won that one after getting out of the, the cross face. Yeah, slipped right out and delivered a, an AA. Classic. And then he cut like a, almost like a weird promo about just a super, like it almost felt like pandering to the crowd, you know, which I guess that's kind of what they're there to do, you know, right. thanking the Saudi kingdom and the Saudi people for all their hospitality. And, and he kind of brought up the, you know, how everything in his universe hasn't been so great lately. But the WWE universe continues to, uh, you know, deliver for him. So it was, a, it was a promo. Yeah. What do you think about that cruiserweight title match? Um, I mean, from like a wrestling perspective, it was a really good match. But um, unfortunately, you can't just have good wrestling to sell a good match. You need story. And I feel like the cruiserweights kind of they have a hard time telling a story. I feel like it's too uh, fast paced. It feels like they are more focused on getting their spots out than getting, getting that story going. Exactly. So in their head, they're just thinking, okay, spot, spot, spot. What spot's next? What spot's next? Do this spot. Okay, now what spot's next? Uh, that's the vibe I get from them a lot of the time. Um, I really hate the concept of 205 Live, and I think that the more that they feature these guys on the main roster shows, the more I hate the concept of 205 Live because these guys have so much talent and they're just being bottlenecked into a room, it feels like. Right. So I, I think that this event was really good for them. And not because of this match. This match was a snooze. Uh, Cedric retained. I don't think anybody was really surprised by that. The only real cool, noticeable, or not, the only real big talking spot in this match, I felt like, was that really cool springboard Spanish fly Kalisto did. Yeah, really smooth. Looked looked really good. Haven't seen that before, so I was, I was pretty excited to see that. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to a good match. Can we say that about anything on this on this card? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll give it some uh <laughs> some some room. So, the next match we had, we saw. Woken Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt versus the bar for the raw, raw tag team titles. And I was absolutely amazed by the amount of fireflies in that stadium. Saudi's got a lot of, uh, a lot of fireflies. I think it was one of those situations where they, you know, they came on the mic between and said, Hey guys, we're going to have this guy come out. Please pull out your phones. It almost, it almost feels like that's what they do. But I mean, with the way the, they're billing Bray Wyatt. It's it's hard not to see him being that over right now. They're billing him as a, as a sidekick. A sidekick, but I mean, he's he's a good sidekick. I think he's better than Jeff. I think that with Matt's current wrestling style, I agree with that. Yes. Because they're so vastly different now, and Matt's style has evolved to something completely different than what it used to be. I think that the, the team of Bray and Hardy, Matt, are just is perfect. I love, I love their chemistry together. Where do you see that going? Like down, do you see this being a long-term thing or what do you think about them? I mean, I think with the way that they're pushing them, it's going to have to be. And I see it being an epic turn that is going to happen way down the line to where we're not going to see it coming. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a really good payout for this. I'm just really hoping they don't go the route of, uh, you know, like how they had Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, that storyline last year, how it just, I felt like that storyline never really fit. Whereas Bray actually does fit with the broken universe. Right. So 
really quick when when they did that um they brought him into the Wyatt family, right? Yeah, just randomly same thing Randy they Orton. same thing they did with Daniel Bryan, except yes. Same outcome too, right? I believe so, so they, yeah. They both turned on him really quick and it was just a thing that happened. Yeah, so I'm really hoping they don't rehash that again because I think the depth of really like the broken universe that Matt has created has so much room for just fun, not particularly good content, but no. like fun wrestling content that feels like old school wrestling. And that's something that, that, that kayfabe is so hard to do nowadays. And I feel like people are so behind the idea of Bray, of Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy that they, those are the only guys that can pull that off right now. You know, who's not behind that idea. Hmm. Michael Cole. Oh, I I don't know. Is this storyline? Is his disdain for Matt Hardy and that entire universe? Is that all storyline for something coming up? Or it honestly could be because I mean, we've seen Michael Cole in this whole WWE style commentary, but when he went and did the UK um, the UK Championship uh, that UK tournament. It was all him. It was him and Nigel McGuinness, right? I believe so, yeah. I want to say it was those two, and he did a really good job. He called it, it wasn't like a WWE style. So I, th- I think he's a good commentator, and I think, I don't know, it's, it might be going somewhere. There might be some interaction between him and Matt somewhere in the show because it's already happened on Twitter. Yeah, and it's, all, it's now happening with like Senior Benjamin. Like, I guess Senior Benjamin said something on Twitter, I believe, about it. And Michael Cole mentioned that during the match. You know, like, oh, I have that little bald guy coming after me on Twitter now. And so I'm really hoping that this is going to build to some sort of maybe Michael Cole gets deleted, which I don't know anybody that would be upset about that idea. No, not at all. Uh, The sooner the better. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt won that match. I think that's something that we all saw coming. The yep. bar just moved to SmackDown. I really wasn't thinking that they would bring them back to Raw like that. However, that would have been a cool swerve, I think. But I, I think that now that they have the titles, I think that they're going to go on a lengthy run, which could be fun. Who, who would be their first, the, the next team that they delete? I mean, the next biggest team on Raw right now that's, that's coming up is, you know, Ziggler and McIntyre. Those guys are killing it right now. They they have a great finisher. They got a good look. Um, Dolph Ziggler just needs to uh, get rid of some of that baggage. I feel like Dolph Ziggler would not clash well with the Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt universe because Dolph tries so hard to be I'm real this, I'm the real best, I'm the best there ever was in the ring and everything like that. They're just so far off. Like, I would like to see, I don't know who, they're really, you're right, there really isn't anything else on, unless, unless they're planning on putting Chad Gable and Jason Jordan back together as American Alpha at heel, something, like that could be something coming up, but. Didn't we see the Fashion Files beat the bar? Yes, we did, and that was fantastic. I I don't think the fashion. I feel like the fashion. I feel like the fashion police at Brizango are going to be allies of the Woken universe, but there are some 
backstage interactions I'm really looking forward to there. Just seeing Tyler Breeze and Fandango interacting with Matt Hardy and, and Bray Wyatt is going to be awesome. Awesome. I think it's going to be really funny. You're laughing because you hate the idea, don't you? I'm <laughs> laughing because I see them giving Bray Wyatt a ticket for that little meat apron that he wears. The butcher's apron. I like it. <laughs> I, I think it. it's good. What about the fedora? You know, nobody with a fedora is cool. Yeah, so there's you know, a ticket for that. that. That's fair. And I, that's, I think that's where the ticket would come from first. Okay. But the apron I have no problem with. I think it, it looks good. It, it doesn't make sense as why he just came back with an apron on. <laughs> but that's the, that's the broken universe. Nothing makes sense. Okay. Is it broken or woken? Does it make a difference anymore? Is it all the same? I don't think that. They, didn't they buy the rights to TNA's video stuff? Like that they're showing well, them in the new DVD, right? I don't think they necessarily bought the rights. I think that they won the rights. And TNA made a cool gesture towards all of their wrestlers and said, hey, we're not going to try to own your gimmicks anymore. You, we made this together. You can keep it and go elsewhere. And I think that's a really good move for TNA. Or not TNA, but Impact. Whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's Impact now. And I think it's a really good move for them because that's why EC3 was able to come over as EC3. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's why they're going, I, I feel like they're going to be able to attract more indie talent just by knowing that they don't have to, you know, sign in a contract because they realize that they're not the secondary brand anymore. Right. So they're, they're going more the route of the indies, and I think it's going to turn out better for them because of that. I, I think it's already starting. Mm, I've, we've already talked about impact more <laughs> than I want to on this, on this uh, show. Right, we'll save but it for next time. We can, we can definitely start looking into it if they continue making decent choices. Fair so, enough. Uh, then we had Jeff Hardy defend the U S title against uh, Jinder Mahal and Jinder Mahal got booed in Saudi Arabia. And that's hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, I don't, ne- neither of us really expected that to happen because you know, us being the ignorant Americans, we, we didn't realize he's oh, being there. billed from India <laughs> and they're in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. I thought gender would be over here and he obviously was not. Uh, it was a match. Not, nothing special here. I feel like, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time here. There was that, that botch that everybody's talking about. Jeff Hardy goes for, I believe it was a whisper in the wind, completely misses gender. And like 10 seconds later, gender sells the, sells the hit. Sells, sells the earthquake. And Ginger's uh, going to take all the blame for this. And that's too yep. bad because Ginger, I don't feel like Ginger did anything wrong here. I felt like he did not see, the, see it happening and he wasn't sure how far off it was. So instead of underselling and being that asshole, he wanted to try to sell it like he would normally do it. I don't put the blame on Ginger here. What do you think? It's, it's hard to sell a move like that when both wrestlers' backs are turned, you know? Um, and Jeff Hardy has missed that move on many wrestlers before gender. Oh, definitely. He's so he's a, he's a sloppy wrestler. When when you're wrestling that style, you're going to miss a lot of your a lot of your moves. But it happens. This is why I was saying like this felt, you know, like the effort of a house show because there was a lot of botches like this. There was a lot. Like more botches in this event than I think I've seen televised combined like total and like i would say probably the last year right this is almost a, a botch mania episode yeah like just a super cut 
it was, it, I was really surprised by the amount of botches. And I'm wondering if, I mean, this wasn't billed as a pay-per-view originally. Right. So maybe it was just a lower effort situation. So after Jeff Hardy retains the U.S. title, we went into another fantastic match. The Usos versus the Bludgeon Brothers. And before we get really far and really deep dive into this one, let's just go ahead and say, well, this match happened. The Bludgeon Brothers won. Woohoo. Next match we have is uh, Seth Rollins defending the Intercontinental title against uh, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and The Miz. Tell me what you thought about the latter match. Uh, it's probably one of the best matches of the show. Um, I, I like to notice little things like uh, Finn was getting kicked, start of the match in the midsection by The Miz, and then all of a sudden you see Samoa Joe chopping him. And I noticed Finn's finger was bleeding, so Miz must have caught his finger. Yeah, early bleeder. Why is it that whenever Finn and Joe are in a match, somebody starts bleeding within the first three minutes of the match? <laughs> God, wasn't that the best? No, it was awful because the medical staff kept trying to stop the match. But I think that added to the match because you see Joe just so pissed off and just wanting to go, pushing those guys off of him. It, it really added emotion to that match. I love Samoa Joe so much. He's so good. <laughs> the WWE needs to push Joe. Can we see him just bury Roman? We saw The Undertaker bury Cena. Why not, why not you know, Roman get buried? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really don't care who he's burying at this point, I don't think. I just want to see Joe get pushed because that's, that's who should be walking out of titles you yes. know i'm glad to see everybody in this match is art this match was amazing though like these are for the top tier superstars and the miz did not gain his title back he's on smackdown live now right the only thing the only reason i can think that they would move miz to smackdown live and not give him the title back here miz is going to be the wwe champion at some point in 2018 i hope so before next wrestlemania the miz will win that championship i hope so because that he is the ultimate heel. He's so good at being a heel. He's one of those guys who I, I think that, I don't know who he, who, he, who he would feud with for that. You know, and I know that right now that entire championship scene seems pretty, pretty filled up. There's a lot of talent on that roster. There is. You know, but I, I really hope to see him win the WWE championship at some point this year. Do you see him winning it before or after? Uh, him and Brian have their feud because the, oh. that's obviously coming up. Oh, way, way after. Yeah, way after. Okay. I, I, would, I wouldn't see this, I would say, after SummerSlam. At the earliest, this could happen, you know, maybe Survivor Series time. Yeah. You know, they could start, you know, having something happen then. I have no idea as of right now who I'd want to see him, I mean, feud with. I guess I could see him and, him and Daniel Bryan next WrestleMania. That'd be good. I mean, that's, that's something that doesn't need a title to to fuel that feud. Yeah. Maybe they don't really, maybe they just keep building this feud for, you know, this Daniel Bryan and Miz feud for a long time though, because now Daniel Bryan's feuding with big Cass. So maybe they can kind of extend this feud to actually hit its peak for next year's WrestleMania around that time. And then they can start just making things happen from there. We'll see. I could totally see, the Miz versus Daniel Bryan headlining WrestleMania next year. 
That would be a good one, as long as, you know, Roman doesn't get the spot again. Well, I mean, it'll be Roman versus Brock, probably. That's fine. Totally I haven't seen that. Uh, you know, this was a good match, though. The ending was entertaining, I thought, seeing Seth pop up there and just kind of snake that title away from Finn. That was, I, I like that. Really quick before I tell you how much I hate that. Um, <laughs> there, there was a spot, just to show how terrible the crowd was, there was a spot where, I think it was Seth Rollins, he jumps up on the barricade, and he's getting ready to run across and do a crossbody or something onto everyone that's out there. And you just see all of these people staring at the audience. They're, they have their backs turned to the ring. How, how bad is that when you have a wrestler on top of the barricade getting ready to do a cool move, and you have nobody watching him? I'm really... So, like, that, I know that entire section was, like, VIPs. I'm wondering how many of them were actually, like, into wrestling and how many of them were royal family members and were just having to be there to, like, have their presence there. And so they weren't really into the product because the entire show, that area, was just really focused on everything except for what was happening in front of them. All of the crowd sound, when there was sound, was from the stands 100 feet back. Right. Which is why it sounded so faint. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so go ahead and tell me why you hated that so much now, because I want to disagree with you. I'm ready. <laughs> it's, it's just that spot that always happens, and it's never supposed to happen like that. But they finally pulled the trigger and just let them just, you know, Finn, Finn was ready. He, he could have done something about it, but they just let Seth run up and snag the title like a little, little rat. I love it, because you never get that fast climb and just snag because you're right so many times that spot could happen and they never let it happen but this time they let it happen and i thought it was really good and i really like this pairing of finn and seth and i hope to see them continue feuding for quite a while we need some uh, some seth finn solo matches some singles matches i think that we're getting into that now because you know i think that now is the time that they'll start getting more into that because if you think about this, it was a, you know, a fatal four-way ladder match. Two of the participants are on SmackDown. Right. So now that they've kind of separated the Miz from this trio, I don't know why Joe was in there in the first place, um, but now they have you know, just them. And so they can have that solo feud now. And so I really I would look forward to just them feuding together. Uh, what do you think about the, uh, the Saudi signees coming in? Didn't watch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just to kind of give you like the lay of the land here, what happened? Um, you know, they brought down four of the trainees or the signees that have been at the performance center or training uh, in the tryouts. I think these are the guys who are basically getting, you know, who got through and they're going to get signed to NXT. Uh, they came down. They were talking about their hard work and just kind of showing them to the crowd. You know, getting that standard crowd pop. You know, for their local guys in the ring. And then the Davari brothers show up, which is interesting. I don't. When's the last time we saw Sean Davari on WWE television? It's a good yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Sean Davari was back, and they came out with Iranian flags, and they got nuclear heat from the. I think this was probably the only segment that the VIP section was really into because it had nothing to do with wrestling and everything to do with Saudi Arabia beating up Iranians. And uh, yeah, nuclear heat there. 
And, uh, you know, they disposed of the Davari brothers relatively quickly. Is a decent little showing for some of their guys. I look forward to seeing their guys. One thing that's kind of funny about the, one of their guys, though, uh, what was his name? Monsoon or one of those guys, Monsoon something. Uh, he wrestles for Hood Slam. I, I saw him wrestle with Hood Slam. So he's localish. He's in the area. You know, he's been in California. So that's a pretty big deal for one of one of those guys. Makes me wonder how many of those other guys were actually from Saudi Arabia and maybe just not brought in and planted in Saudi Arabia for the tryouts. These guys could be from the U.S. It was the guy who talked on the mic and he had good English. So I'm wondering if that's part of it. It's probably probably has a big deal so, to do with it. Yeah, I, I wonder if any of the other guys were not exactly from Saudi Arabia or based in Saudi Arabia currently. And uh, I'm interested to see what they do with those guys. They've had Tion being for almost a little over a year now, I think. And we haven't really seen him outside of a Royal Rumble appearance. What do you think about The Undertaker versus Rusev in that casket match? It was kind of shocking. Coming into this match, I expected it to be quicker than uh, Cena's match with Taker. But... We actually got a real match out of it. You know, I'm pretty sure everybody knew that Rusev was going to lose. Everybody knew Rusev was going to lose. And uh, I think Rusev knew he was going to lose, as you could tell by his Twitter. Um, But I think Rusev did a lot better than most people expected. And I am pleasantly surprised and just happy with rusev's performance yeah it was uh it was really good seeing him get some offense against the undertaker he he didn't look weak um i think the the most surprising thing to me about that match was seeing takers still do the apron leg drop i mean after having hip surgery and being that old that's that's a surprising thing to see from him yeah i'm really surprised to see him still do the old school so uh, you know, it was a, it was a decent match and, you know, Taker still kind of has it and I'm happy to see Taker kind of come back like this because before that Cena squash, his matches were kind of unbearable. Well, we had to watch him wrestle Brock a handful of times. So in, yeah, that's true. But now, <laughs> I mean, these last two matches have been more than viewable. I feel like. So he's he's stated in interviews that he wants his retirement match to be against Kane. Do you see that happening, or do you think it's going to be? I, I think that I think that at this point, I think that unless somebody really needs it, I can totally see him having Vince giving him that that retirement match against Kane. I, I think that uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that that could happen. You know, it could be as soon as next WrestleMania. Now, I mean, he's still got it, but. Who knows how long he wants to and, and if he really wants to go until he doesn't have it anymore. Right. So um, I'm just really happy that Rusev did not look weak here because, yeah. you know, Cena was squashed in like 235 and Rusev made it like 10 minutes with The Undertaker and did not look weak. The Undertaker just looked like The Undertaker and it was, I think it was a solid match. Yeah, it was, it was a good showing for Rusev. Um, I'm, I'm ready to see more, more Rusev Day. You know, it's funny you say that because the Saudi Arabia crowd 
does not give a single shit about Rusev Day. This is just the worst crowd to try to get anything over with. And when Rusev comes out, that crowd pops. But here, nothing. It was really weird to hear no, no reaction to Rusev. This was just an... I feel like this, the crowd situation was just weird from the entire, the entire time. Yeah, it, it just didn't do well with the show. No, and I, you know, I wish that this, ultimately I think that this event didn't need to be televised. I think that it may have been better if it wasn't televised. So the WWE title, heel Shinsuke Nakamura, with that just awesome, beautiful entrance theme. They just added some drums, some vocals, and you got a whole new thing. I really like the fact that they are going out of their way to separate Shinsuke Nakamura face and heel Shinsuke. And changing the entrance music really did a number for that, I think. I think the biggest thing about the... the entrance music being changed is to get the fans to stop singing along. Well, that's what he said. He said he got tired of the fans singing along with it. Right. Playing into the heel perfectly. And uh, I really like it. And I really, really like heel Shinsuke. I think that it's, I really didn't want it. But now that I'm seeing it play out, I'm, I really, really like it. Yeah. Who, who would have thought the end of that match, it would be Shinsuke that turns heel and not AJ. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I think it was kind of perfect for his character. I, I think that's what his character needed on the main roster because he was big. He was over, but this is going to get him to that next level. And he plays a heel completely different than what we're used to. When you think heel, we always think like the coward heels, the Miz. When Seth Rollins was a heel, he did it really well. Yeah. You know, those guys who can make a match can find a way to win. But they may not be the best in ring talent, and they may not want to wrestle as much. Whereas Shinsuke has that, I'm crazy. I will fight you. Right. Heel. And, and it's completely different than I can really think of any heels recently. I mean, I don't know of anybody else that's like that, that has played a heel like that, and I love it. I feel like the closest thing we have is maybe Samoa Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Samoa Joe is the closest, but he's also, that, he's also in a weird spot, too, where is he really a heel? Because he's so over. Like, Rusev Day is supposed to be a heel gimmick, and it absolutely isn't. Same with, like, the New Day. Like, they were a heel gimmick. They got over, and then they went to babyface, and now they are perennial babyfaces. That's, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I think... Uh... I think Joe's going to be playing a face this next pay-per-view, though. In the eyes of the fans against Roman Reigns? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't... Yeah, you know, I, I really, really like Heel Shinsuke. However, with the new entrance, his dancing doesn't work with it. I don't like it. I like his facial expressions and everything he does, like, in the ring and in promos, but I don't feel like the dance down to the ring works for the, the theme music at all. It does not fit in whatsoever, in my opinion. Yeah. I Which is it. usually right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It works for him. He's, he's always got that swag to him. So, Yeah, I don't know. I just, 
I do, I don't buy into the dancing anymore. I feel like that's more of a face thing. The match itself, though, what do you think of the match? I thought it was better than their Mania match. I mean, it's it's weird seeing what a face versus a heel can do to a match, rather than seeing a face versus a face. He's, you really start to see why they do so many face versus heels, and you don't ever see like heel versus heel or face versus face. I agree because I, I felt like the wrestling in the match itself wasn't all that different, but just having that designated heel and the designated face, I think added that extra element that it needed right. to be a better match. So I agree. Right. I really liked the match. Uh, I really liked before the finish, uh, the way they let, led into the pinchasa. Yeah, the, the phenomenal forearm misses, the ref ducks, and then bam. I would have been totally okay with Shinsuke winning on, on that move right there because it would have been such a good build. I have no idea where it's going to go now. I mean, they did a count out, so are they just going to keep building as a bad blood feud? Or? I think they have to. Usually, usually when they do a count out and they can't resolve anything in the ring, it'll be a anywhere's falls match or whatever you know no rules i completely get why they ended the match this way i'm just disappointed by it but then i just you got to keep thinking back like this is not meant to be like a pay-per-view event this is this is its own thing right it's supposed to be a fun little whatever show yeah and, and i mean ultimately i don't think we haven't seen a title change hands at all, other than you know the the raw tag team, which there was no nobody held was no, that. Anyways. No, nobody held that anyway. So there was no title changes, which brings us into Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Suplex City, no, thank you. We are on Swerveplex City because this is the match everybody everybody thought. Once again, the WWE did it. They pulled one on us. He's just going to drop it at, in India where the crowd's going to react better. Well, there was no crowd to react. They were dead. So Brock won on what seems like a botched finish. Yeah. Um, even, even Meltzer reported uh, the rules are when both feet hit the ground, that's who wins. Roman rolled off of Brock first. His feet touched the ground. Technically, Roman won, but they called Brock the winner, so who knows what they're going to do at Raw. I don't... Do you really think they could go back and say, no, by technicality, we watch replays, Roman should have won this, so we're going to set up a rematch for blah, 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 or are they going to give the title and make, make Brock relinquish the title? That could be an interesting take for the future if they wanted to keep this thing going on later, Brock can come back and say, hey, I never lost this title. You know, after taking time off for the, his UFC stuff, his obligations there. I, I, I would really like to see Brock drop the title to somebody else. Maybe, maybe a, you know, Braun Strowman. You know, we've, we've been wanting to see that ever since they had their first match together. Yeah, I would love to see that. I, I just don't see it happening. I think that it's going to go on. And we probably won't see the Universal Championship until, let's be honest, SummerSlam. 
I mean, what do we have? We have backlash and then is extreme rules or is it? I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know the order yeah, of the pay-per-views. I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't think that we're going to probably see Brock until the lead into uh, SummerSlam. And at that point, maybe they have Roman go up against him again to try to win at that point. I'm really tired, you know, of, of the same matches from happening. I'm really in the camp of anybody but Brock at this point. Yeah, I, I'm starting to get there too. I can only see so many suplexes in one match. and it's That's really all this match was, was suplex, Superman punch, F5, spear, rinse repeat. and repeat. Yes. Until they went out of the cage and Brock's back hit first, but Roman's feet rolled off the cage first and touched first technically. And Brock never actually hit the ground first because he was, the cage was underneath him. And, and so like, there's so many weird technicalities. I can't help but think that it, it, maybe it wasn't a botch and they were just doing this to build it in, you know, to say, Hey, I never lost that match. This should have been a victory, but we can't go back and change it now. It's been too long. Let's have you guys fight at SummerSlam. Until then, Roman, try to do your best to get over with the crowd. And uh, I want to take a moment to say everybody hates Roman. They said that he's given too many chances. He's forced down our throats. What's the last big match Roman won? Got me there. So he's in all these matches. Was it, was it the last uh, WrestleMania where he won the title and Seth cashed in on him? Was that the last big match? No, I think he's won matches since then, but... Big matches? Yeah, you know, he's always... He's not, he's not winning. He's not winning, but he keeps getting the main event. Sure, but he's just... At this point, is he, is he really anything more than a glorified jobber? That's almost what it seems like. People hate him so much, but he's not... It's not like he's winning. You know, it's not like he's walking out with the title. So... It's just something to think about. Like, he wins the last big match he's won. I can't even tell you right now. You can't even tell me right now. We don't know. So, you know, uh, I, I kind of look forward to seeing what happens there. I really hope this is a chance for them to give anybody other than Roman a chance for the title. I'm, I'm unhappy that Brock retained because, like I said before, I'm in the camp of anybody but Brock. Right. But at this point, at least, it also means that Roman's not guaranteed to hold the title for the next year or two. So maybe we have a chance to get somebody else in there, which would be nice. I, I think it'd be better for Roman, too. We need, we've seen Brock versus Roman so many times. It, it feels very forced at this point. Um, he, needs to, he needs to take the title from somebody else. We need to see a new match. We need to see him work his way up. It'll get him over better than seeing him being forced against Brock. Yeah. You know, I... I... I just really hope that something we get something out of it now because we're not I think everybody is kind of fatigued on these two fighting. I would have loved to have seen Joe stay on Raw and feud with Brock now because that was probably the best Brock match in years was when he was up against Samoa Joe. Yeah, that and like I, like I said, Braun, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's, that's, that's it for the undercard. 
Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the greatest Royal Rumble match. So with this match, we had uh, the largest Royal Rumble ever seen by WWE fans. 50 men go in, one man leaves with a massive trophy and a green belt. So what do you think about this match? Do you have anything that you really want to uh, discuss on this match? Um, thought it was interesting. They went with uh, Daniel Bryan as, you know, entrant number one. And seeing as how long he's he was in there, I mean, it's kind of shocking. It, it, it almost seemed like he was going to win. I'm really glad he didn't. And I, I don't find it shocking at all that he was number one. That's how they've built his entire career with the WWE. He's always that massive underdog. And uh, I'm not at all surprised that he came in and stayed in as long. I think that was one of the most obvious things that was going to happen. And, and I was really worried that he was going to win at the end. I'm glad he didn't, though. Yeah. That would not have helped. I think him coming back in for that long and the fact that the WWE trusted him to be in that match for that long, I think that really goes to show that he's healthy. And the WWE is bought into the fact that he's healthy. And I like that. I'm happy to see that. Yeah. Um, I, I just hope he can move past this big cast match and, you know, we, we can see him in better matches. Yeah. I'm not, not pumped about that particular, not pumped about that particular feud that's building. Um, I, I'm not a big cast fan, but it will do wonders for big casts. Yeah. Mega heat. And since he is, you know, the young, the young star coming in, that's probably going to be useful. I think it's going to be helpful for him to, to get that build off of Daniel Bryan. So good on him. Uh, another person who really kind of stunned me, you know, after Daniel Bryan's record breaking time in the match, I think it was, what was the total time? Do you know? Over one hour and five minutes. Sure. Yeah, I do then. Because I know that was like the last time that they said something about it uh, in that match. She was in there for at least an hour, hour five. Uh, broke that record for sure. Um, and then, yeah, the only other person that really kind of shocked me was Elias. Yeah, Elias, you know, doing his world tour. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You know, he came out, he was out there for 35 minutes. He got a handful of eliminations. He looked strong. You know, Elias really is something special. And, you know, a while back, Triple H had talked about how he thought Elias would be a big star on the main roster, but knew his gimmick wouldn't go over in NXT. And it's interesting to hear that perspective, you know, like everything gets over in NXT, but Elias never did. But then as soon as he gets to the main roster, instantly over. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was one of those non-believers. I I couldn't stand him in in NXT, but when he moved over to the main roster, something clicked. He he started working. Yeah, it was it was good. I he did really well, and I'm really happy to see them continuing to trust him enough to give him big spots and matches like that. I would love to see him in a feud with Seth eventually, going for that Intercontinental title. I think that's a logical, good next step for him since the Raw roster has been absolutely decimated. Um, by SmackDown, uh, we had Mike Kanellis, who was this particular match's, you know, quick, quick elimination, two seconds in and out, possibly holds the record now. Um, yeah, we had some uh, entrance that nobody really knows. Uh, Hiroki Sumi 
a what is it a veteran sumo wrestler yeah veteran sumo wrestler uh nobody really knew who he was um he was there <laughs> he was there didn't do much didn't really need to do much someone for mark henry to eliminate yeah you know it's cool to see mark henry yeah i was you know? i was afraid we weren't gonna see any more of him after he got inducted into the hall of fame but it's it's cool he still will you know make an appearance and he looked good you know he he got a solid you know three eliminations in the match and uh you know he looked he looked good i was happy to see him you know um it was really cool to see the 205 uh the 205 live guys interact with the main roster yeah they they looked good you know in comparison with the the regular roster you you wouldn't be able to really tell that there's much of a difference not at all you know i i really liked that i i hope that this seeing them in this match you know drew gulak and tony nice i hope seeing them kind of opens that door to to get more 205 live guys up against the main roster because they're, they shouldn't be separated they shouldn't be limited to 205 live if they want to do a show just for them cool but they shouldn't be stuck only facing the 205 Live guys because there's, what, maybe 15 of them, so they're just going to be having the same matches over and over again, so it's the women's division. Right, and they, they got serious talent there, and right now, if they're just on 205, they're, they're just treading water. Yeah, and if they, if they stop limiting the cruiserweights to 205 Live, it also makes it easier for other guys who are under 205, you know, who would qualify for 205 Live, makes it easier for them to make appearances on that show. People like Finn Balor, you know, people like possibly Rey Mysterio, you know, these guys weigh under 200 pounds and they more than qualify, but they're not stuck to 205 live. Right. Why are these other guys? So if we can see more meshing, I would be more accepting of the 205 live concept. But right now I hate the fact that it's separated. It also goes to show that this, this desire for an all women's show I don't feel like has legs to stand on because everybody loved the cruiserweight tournament. And when we found out that the cruiserweights were going to get their own division and their own sec, you know, their own TV show, everybody was all about it. And then it happened and nobody watched. Right. Nobody's supporting it. And so my concern is if they try to do the same thing with the women, it's going to happen just like that again. And it's just going to be a bad situation for them. Yeah. You, you don't want to do that, especially after, all the work they've done to, to bring up the, you know, the women's talent. And, and, you know, let's take a moment to talk about that. There was no women on this card. Nope. You know, even Renee Young was missing from the pre-show, which is interesting. But, you know, there was a lot of negativity on Twitter about that today. I get it. I completely get it. Like, Saudi Arabia is not the country that supports the women's evolution that the WWE has been pushing so hard and doing such a good job with. But at the same time, I mean, this is big for the Saudi Arabia people. The crown prince over there is doing his best to make stuff like that a non-issue there. So, right. You know, hopefully since this is a 10 year deal, I'm really hoping that we can see women in the next, you know, on the next show they do over there the, the amount that's changed in that region in the last two years alone really makes it a hopeful situation where we can get that in the next year 
and we'll we'll see um you know baby steps yeah uh you know what else do we have to talk about in this match you know some anything else um let's talk about the botches oh boy uh some of the some of the littler ones first uh we had a primo you know missing a springboard slipping under the ropes that was that was a good one we had um we had a scott dawson uh he kind of eliminated himself uh took a slingshot to the buckle and tried a little too hard to to hit the post and just kind of flipped himself over you know i was upset about the fact that they, you know they've really been burying the revival since they hit the main roster but things like this make me think maybe that's not so bad yeah it's maybe a, maybe they're kind of doing it to themselves it's kind of making sense now huh because they were so good on nxt and i really haven't seen them do anything impressive on the main roster even outside of the opportunities the few opportunities they've had they just have they haven't done much with those opportunities right I, I can't think of a match that has stuck out on the main roster yet no with them not at all uh one of the better botches though Probably the, the best watch and the best part of the entire show. Titus O'Neil took a dive. Went to go make his, you know, make his dive into the ring and uh, started about three feet too early. <laughs> <laughs> but he made it under the ring. Cleanly under the ring. And <laughs> that must be kind of terrifying going through there. Because, you know. They have ladders under there. They have ladders and they have <laughs> tables and they have chairs and. You know, they keep Al Snow under there and <laughs> Hornswoggle half the time, you know. It's, you know, the Undertaker's there a lot. You know, there's, there's things underneath there to hurt yourself on. And he went headfirst underneath that, that curtain real fast. But it was probably the best thing in the entire match, in my opinion. It's it probably some of the best commentary we got that whole show. Yes, because Michael Cole and Corey Graves lost it, and it was hilarious to hear them just literally be unable to contain themselves and then vince in the back decides to keep replaying it like literally five times so every time that every time that they start kind of catching themselves they replay it and they lose it again (laughs) and it was it was fantastic i was so happy to hear it to see it uh you you know it was kind of cool we got to see roderick strong which was cool the only recognizable face from nxt uh other than tucker knight who was missing otis which is too bad um, you know, you know, one thing about this match that kind of surprised me is I don't feel like there were any real surprises. No, because they, they kind of advertised them all. They advertised Rey Mysterio. You, you got Chris Jericho, Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan. They were all advertised. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no, no legends outside of, is it too early to consider Mark Henry a legend? I, w- I wouldn't say. And, you know. Kurt Angle, is it too early to consider them legends or? They're, they're, they're legends at this point. I, would I think say. they're legends, but like there was like no, I don't know, I just didn't feel like there was any special returns. And that's what makes the Royal Rumble fun is seeing the returns. Right. You know, Rey Mysterio was there, but we knew about Rey Mysterio being there beforehand. So that wasn't really a surprise. There really wasn't any surprises at all in this match. Like, the great Kali, we knew he was there. Yeah, that was a that was a for sure thing. The only surprises were unpleasant ones. Yeah, people you know, we nobody had, knew. 
yeah, some, you know, we had Hiroki Sumi. Oh, Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle was the only surprise entrant. At least how the only person I consider a surprise entrant because everybody knows Hornswoggle. Right. And, Horns- and he wasn't advertised. No, he wasn't. And Hornswoggle lifted Kofi. Maybe he took Big Show's spot. You know, there was a lot of snubs in this match. There was a lot of snubs in this event. I think the, the most obvious one that everybody's talking about is, uh, well, the second most obvious. I think the most obvious is the entire women's division. But <laughs> outside of that, the biggest snub, I believe, was uh, Sami Zayn. Yeah. Um, there's good good reason behind that, though. Was there, though? I mean, he's Canadian. He's got Syrian Muslim descent. And I don't know that anybody necessarily asked him to not be there other than the WWE. I don't think that was necessarily a Saudi request was for him to not be there unless the WWE wanted to hide that fact, which is quite possible. It's very possible. But it's really too bad that he wasn't able to, to be there, especially with Kevin Owens being there. It didn't really make sense to see one without the other at this point. Right. But, I mean, you see him on Twitter, and he, he kind of pushes the issue. Yeah, he's very vocal yeah. about his activism and everything, and I like that about him. So, Oh, yeah. You know, this also could have been a joint thing where he wasn't really interested in going and performing in front of them, and that, that's quite possible. You know, it's cool to see that the WWE has found a way to make that situation work and not have it be like a big, bad situation. You know, they released an official statement that just says, hey, we try to respect everybody's cultural differences. And uh, that's, that's really all they had to say about Sami Zayn. You know what is cool, though? Um, I, I want to say I read that the women who weren't able to go to the show, they actually ended up getting pretty big paydays from it. So they kind of made it worth it. That's been disputed. As oh. far as I know, Dave Meltzer was talking about how that has not been announced. Oh, that was something that I believe the King just kind of suggested doing on his podcast, the number two podcast after ours. Um, and uh, there hasn't been any confirmation of that happening yet. If it happens, I think that's awesome. Yeah. But something needs to happen. I think so. And, and I, I don't want it to be a, a whole women's pay-per-view. No, no. The big show was advertised originally. And I noticed afterwards, after he didn't show up at all, I noticed that he was actually removed from the promotional material probably a few weeks ago. So I wonder what happened there. Do you, I mean, do you think he just decided not to go or? I mean, it, it was all up to them. They, they gave the superstars their, uh, you know, they, they let them decide if they wanted to come or not. What about, was there any other uh, snubs that, that you noticed? And I could really think of. You know, there was, there was a few that I, I caught that I felt were snubs, but now thinking about it, it makes sense. The other snubs that I really wrote down were uh, Andrade Cien Almas, The Authors of Pain, Drew McIntyre, Video Atami, Sanity, and all those guys make sense based on the reported reason Drew McIntyre wasn't there. And because they weren't called up until... You know, two weeks ago, they didn't have time to get their work visas worked out. So that's why they weren't there. That makes sense. So I'm wondering if the big show had a situation with a work visa possibly or what. But as far as my list of snows, I think that a lot of that just came down to work visas. 
not getting approved. Would also make sense why there were so few NXT entrants. Right, because they're, you know, they, they don't need to travel around. They don't need, they're, they're stuck pretty much in Florida and, you know, America. Yeah, you know, because the other, and, and, you know, some of the NXT guys that I would like to see would be Velveteen Dream and Otis, seeing as how Tucker Knight got, Tucker Knight was there, but Otis wasn't. And I think that would have been a fun interaction if we would have gotten the New Day and Heavy Machinery in the ring together. That'd be good. That would have been a fun one, I think, because I love Otis. I'm a huge fan of Otis. He is just the most over-the-top, tiny dwarf man, and I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much most of this match. We had Braun Strowman, winner, of course, and, you know, I, who else could have really won? I don't think anybody else could have won this match. Didn't see it coming, but makes sense now. He wasn't one of my picks. <laughs> who was your original pick? Who was my original pick? Um, I, oh, I, I think my original pick before Kevin Owens got signed on to Raw was Kevin Owens. I wanted to see Kevin Owens come back during the Royal Rumble, win it, and then somehow work his way back into being hired by the WWE. That would have been a good way to handle that storyline much better than the way they did it, I think. That was a terrible way to do it with the superstar shakeup and Stephanie McMahon overriding, and I did not really care for that. So that would have been a better way to handle it, I feel like, is if one of them would have won it. Yeah, I thought so. Um, yeah, my first pick. I was texting my wife about it earlier. Yeah, my original pick for this match was Elias, and I think it came pretty close because he did pretty damn good being in the match for 35 minutes, but it's too bad. Yeah, Braun won. He uh, eliminated a record 12.5 people. The reporting is 13, but ultimately Lashley helped him eliminate the great Kali. So 12.5 per smart radio standards of accuracy. That still beats the record of uh, Roman Reigns. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. You know, this match was a solid Royal Rumble. It was super long. It was an incredibly long match. Really long. Crowd not being into it. It kind of killed the show. Yeah, I'm really hoping they figure out the crowd thing for next, you know, since this is a 10-year deal, I'm hoping they figure it out for next year because I never realized until now how important the crowd reaction really was. Even when they are being shitty, they're still important to keep you in kind of entertained, not entertained, but like interested in what's going on. Right. It's energy that that home audience, the wrestlers, even the crowd, they all feed off each other. Everybody needs yeah, I think part I think part of that, you know, the, the amount of botches was because of how dull the crowd really was. I mean, the biggest pops were for Randy Orton, massive pop, Chris Jericho, big pop, Great Khali, big pop, Undertaker and Cena. Those were like the biggest pops of the night. Which is a pretty standard pop, you know, the pretty standard guys to get those big reactions from the crowd, but outside of those, there was really nothing else. Yeah. So you know, I'm hoping they figure out their their uh, the crowd thing for next year, so we can hopefully get back into it a little bit more. Uh, for the time being, though, I think that's pretty much all we got this week, huh? Yeah. You know, we didn't really have any much to talk about with SmackDown or Raw. You know, Raw had a rough week. I feel like NXT is NXT. You know, a few matches here and there. They uh, started the Johnny Gargano and Champa feud again and that's cool they can wrestle forever for all i care i'm happy with it yeah alistair black took care of sanity 
Yeah. Let's meet again next week. Let's discuss the the fallout from the Greatest Royal Rumble. And we only have a week between the Greatest Royal Rumble and Backlash. That's next weekend. That's gonna be it's gonna be rough. That's gonna be really rushed, it feels. Yeah, because I feel like there's no build for any matches for Backlash as of right now. They're probably all gonna get announced this week. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, most of the matches are announced. There's just no real build for any of them, so it's going to feel like an afterthought, much like this entire event did. So it's a weird, a weird schedule. I feel like they should have replaced Backlash with this. I mean, if they're going to do a 10-year deal, they, they might as well. Yeah, I don't think that we can do, you know, this many pay-per-views in a month, a month period, you know? Because that's WrestleMania, the greatest Royal Rumble, and Backlash all within, like, what, 35 days? That's an insane amount of, of wrestling outside the normal, you know, six hours a week that we consume of, of just the WWE product. Right. And it's a lot to take in after the WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll meet again hopefully next week to talk about some of that stuff. I might be out of town, so we may not get a chance to meet next week. If not, we will push it off until the next week and talk about the results and uh, the fallout from Backlash as that happens. And uh, yeah, until then, once again, my name is Justin B. And I'm Cameron. Thanks for listening.